Well, welcome. It's so good to have everybody tonight. We are um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're continuing our series in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. And I've titled the lesson tonight, It Changes Everything. Uh, We're talking about the Holy Spirit, what Spencer sang about, the third person of the Trinity, uh, in addition to God the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, Uh, So full of power and and presence and wisdom, yet certainly the most misunderstood uh, person of the Trinity, wouldn't you say? Uh, In fact, uh, Erin gave me a book, she knew I was studying this, uh, that was written by Billy Graham called The Holy Spirit. And in that book, Billy talks about uh, a a legend of, of a young girl that had come down from a village in the mountains down to the ocean. And when she walked down to the ocean, she was amazed at the, at, at the vastness and the majesty of the ocean. And she waded into the water and she took a jar, a little mason jar, and she filled it up with water. And as she was coming out of the water, somebody asked her, they said, well, what in the world are you doing putting that water in that mason jar? And she said, well, I come from a village up in the mountains and nobody in my village has ever seen the ocean. So I want to take this back so they can see it. <laughs> to which Billy Graham said that trying to write a book that captures the vastness and the fullness and the majesty and the power of the Holy Spirit was like trying to see the ocean by looking at that mason jar full of water. Very true, right? Very true. You know, the Holy Spirit is, is so many things to, uh, to us Christians, um, I asked Aaron to ask a question before Spencer sang, and that question was, what does the Holy Spirit mean to you? Let's see what the Bible says. Uh, I've got a little piece of paper on the table, and I just took the time this week to, to put up a bunch of verses on the Holy Spirit, okay? And starting at the top, I actually tried to put them in order as we go. So this is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. In Luke 12, 12, it says the Holy Spirit will teach you. John 16, 13, it says he will guide you. Romans 8, 11 says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He gives life. Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He confirms that you're sealed Signed, sealed, and delivered, right? Children of God. Heirs with Christ. Romans 8, 27. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He intercedes on our behalf, right? At the throne of God, interceding for us. When you don't know what to pray, when you don't know what to do, right? Just let the Holy Spirit Intercede on your behalf. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That's one of my favorites. May abound in hope. That just sounds good, doesn't it? Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. This is one that speaks to what we've been talking about as a church. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. It keeps you pure. Philippians 1, 19. For I know that through your prayers and help... Of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. He's our helper. King James Version says comforter. Others say counselor, advocate. You know, and I left maybe my uh, favorite one off of this. And this comes from our text tonight. If you're looking over and you've got your Bible and you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look over there in verse 10. Look there in verse 10. It says, these things... Well, first of all, what are these things he's talking about, Paul, here in this chapter 2? If you see right above it, he's quoting from Isaiah, okay? Chapter 64, verse 4. He's quoting from there, in part at least. And he says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What God has prepared for you. That are the, those are the things he's talking about. He says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So you know why I think this is maybe my favorite, okay? Because I want to know God. And that's what that does. That's what that tells me, that through the Holy Spirit, I can know God. I can know the depths of God. I mean, think about that. I mean, we could say maybe that power was our favorite one, because everybody likes power, but, but power comes with knowledge, Right? What did Solomon ask for? When he could ask for one thing, what did he ask for? Wisdom. I want wisdom. I want knowledge. I want to know God. I want to know you, God. That's why this is my favorite. I want to have a mind of Christ. If you looked at the end of this in verse 16, the very last part of chapter 2, it says, but we have the mind of Christ. That's what I want. And really, this whole chapter, okay, this whole chapter 2, this is about Paul. Okay, wanting the church in Corinth, okay, these believers, this body of believers, he wants them, he wants us to know God, to know the depths of God, to know that through the Holy Spirit, we can know the power, the presence, and the wisdom of God. How incredible is that? And when we do, okay, when we do this, when we listen to the Holy Spirit, and we know this power, we know this presence, we know this wisdom, when we do, guess what? It changes everything, right? It changes everything. And that's what Paul wants them to know tonight. He wants us to know that too, that it changes everything. So let's take a look. Let's dive deeper into the text, starting in, in verse 1. Chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. <clears throat> so what he's talking about here is he's taking them back to the time when he first met them. Okay, if you went back and looked... In chapter 18 of Acts, it's when he planted this church in Corinth. 
So what he's doing is he's taking them back to this time. He's saying, listen, okay, you remember back, okay, whenever I first met you, and if you went to Acts and looked in chapter 18, there's a, there's a wonderful verse in there. I think it's verse 6 where it says that Paul uh, was there and he was occupied with the word. I mean, I've kind of got this picture that he's just like walking around, you know, just reading the Bible. I mean, what a great picture that is. He said he was occupied by the word and he was telling everybody he came in contact with that the Christ that they had been expecting was Jesus. And it says that they believed and they were baptized and they were saved. So this group, this body of believers, okay, are those people that he approached. And that's what he's talking of here. He's like, say, he's like saying, hey, when I came before, when I first met you and I was witnessing to you, I didn't come here with, with some lofty speech. I didn't come here with this fancy words. And, and the reason that was important then and actually important today is, is back then that they looked at a speaker and, and, and whether he was good or not by how, how he spoke. You know, was it entertaining? <clears throat> was it entertaining? Okay. And he wanted to say, no, no, no. It doesn't matter anything about whether it was entertaining. That's fine. It's good. Nobody wants to really listen to somebody that's boring. Okay. So that's okay. But he's saying, no, no, it wasn't anything about that. What it was about was Christ and him crucified. Very simple message of the gospel. That's what I came proclaiming the first time. The message of the cross. Okay, and that's a simple message that never changes. It never changes. It's a constant in our life, whether we are accepting for the first time or whether we're walking in our life in, a, in, a, in the battle for sanctification to become more and more like Christ and the righteousness of God. It's a constant, right? It's a simple message. But, but what Paul also wants them to know is there's even more. Okay, there's even more. And that's what he gets into in this next part. So if you look at verse 6 there, he says, Yet among the mature, a lot of debate about what that word mature means. The King James Version says perfect. Okay, so I don't know how you could read it any other way than he's talking to, to believers that were made perfect in Christ. Okay, some want to make the argument that it's maturity as a believer. I, it doesn't matter to me. These are Christians, all right, that he's speaking to now. He said, okay, before it was about the cross and, cross and Christ crucified, still is today, but there's more. There's more I want you to know, okay? There's more God wants you to know. So yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom, we do impart wisdom, I'm sorry, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart secret and hidden wisdom of God. I mean, come on, that's pretty good, right? The secret and hidden wisdom of God? And then look what it says. Which God decreed before the ages. Before you were even born. Before there was anything. Before he breathed the heavens and the earth into existence. There was, before there was nothing, okay? He decreed it before the ages. And then what? For our glory. I just love this verse. Let me tell you why I love it so much. Because this whole book of Corinthians, okay, remember, it is Paul addressing this church because they are, they are filled with problems, okay? They've got all kinds of issues, right? Idolatry, sexual immorality, they're having problems in the church and how to get along, they're having problems in their marriage, problem, problem, problem. Sounds a lot like today, a lot like the world today. They're having all these battles, all these problems, and it's like Paul's just reminding them. This is not what God intended for you. This is not what God intended for you. 
okay? Before you were even born, he intended for you glory. The glory of God. How, how awesome of a promise is that? I saw a, uh, uh, a quote this week from Steve Gaines. He's the, the newest president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's the pastor at the Great Bellevue Church in Memphis. And he said, in his quote, he said, Would a God that loves all, that sent his son to die for all, that calls all to repent, would he predestine anyone to go to hell? No way, right? He predestines you for glory. How awesome is that? And it even gets better, okay? It, goes, it gets better. All right, in uh, verse 8, it says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. It's a great word there, the Lord of glory. It's really one of the, few, one of the places in the Bible where, where Paul lifts up Jesus to the highest of the high level, the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. See, God, see, all what man sees is folly. We talked about this last week, right? The, that, that man, the human wisdom, that culture, they're never going to understand us. Just doesn't make sense, does it? They're never going to understand what's, what's breathed inside of us. They're just never going to get it. But what does God want? God wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants you to experience all that he has prepared for you. And what does he say about that? He says it's greater than anything you could ever see or hear or even imagine. How awesome is that? What God, I mean, think about this. The Holy Spirit helps us understand, reveals to us the very depths of God and what he wants for our lives. Amen. What he has planned for us. But you know, what's really sad to me is I just wonder how many Christians really ever, ever, ever take advantage of this. I mean, how many Christians really are just walking around, going through the motions, never, ever, ever really feel, okay, really, really know the power and the presence and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Charles Spurgeon, he, he had a quote, he said that the gospel is preached to all men, but its power is only known by a few. I think you could say the same thing about the Holy Spirit. Okay, I think you could say that, that the Holy Spirit is made available to all Christians, but it's only accepted by a few. You know, I had uh, the great privilege yesterday to go in, in one of the first showings of the new Hillsong movie. And I will tell you, I could barely sit in my seat. I just wanted to jump out and just wanted to shout from the top of my lungs. It was so overwhelming, just with tears literally coming down my cheeks, just watching and just to see just the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit coming off of that scream, out of that church, out of these, out of these men and women was just overwhelming. It was really overwhelming. What God can do through one humble leader with a vision and a youth pastor, a youth pastor that believed in the youth of his church enough to let them do what God wanted to do through them. A love for God and a love for people and, and just amazing what God has done. It's just absolutely incredible. 
And as I was sitting there, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what the world thinks about this. I wonder what the world, I mean, because Hillsong's really bigger than the church now, okay? Bigger than the church. I mean, they're mainstream movie theaters showing it all over the world. What does the world think about this? I mean, my guess is the world probably is looking at it and saying, oh, okay, well, it's just a lot of talented people, right? I mean, somebody writes good songs, the, the worship is good. They got good instruments, they have plenty of stuff. As Spencer and I were talking about, they had a nice studio to write in. They had a little house that they got to go to, to to get away and to do songwriting. You know, that's probably what the world thinks, isn't it? I mean, that's what the world looks to. Those are the things we look to and we say, yeah, that's what it is. That's what does it, because we, we have a hard time thinking out beyond what we can do. Amen. It's one of, the, one of the problems in the church in this day of Corinth is they had let the culture, we talked about last week, right, invade the church, and they started measuring, okay, themselves by, by what was outside, yeah. what was in the world, okay? But I'll tell you, it is none of those things, it is none of those things that's powering the movement of Hillsong. No, 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 no. You can't even be around. You can't see it without knowing that that, that that pastor, that worship band, those people that are involved, they are so filled with the Holy Spirit that it's, it's almost impossible to watch it without knowing it. You just see it oozing out of them. It's just incredible. It's incredible to watch. It's incredible, isn't it? You know, and I just think that there's so many people in the church today that are just afraid. They're really afraid of that. They're afraid to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit because you know why? You know why we're afraid? Because we're afraid of what it may do. It may interrupt our lives, right? You know, and I'm including myself, by the way. I mean, we're kind of afraid of what it might do, what it might require, where it might take us, where, where we might have to go, what God might do in and through us, if we really let him fill us with his spirit, it could be scary a little bit, right? It could be. But listen, remember this. Remember this. Even Jesus, the Bible says, was filled with the spirit. Go look at Luke 4.1. After he was baptized and the spirit descended like a dove and it says he left. It says he left being filled, being full, some versions say, of the Holy Spirit. Being full of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, okay, the Bible, all right, Ephesians 5.18 commands it. He commands that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word filled right there in Ephesians 5.18, filled, it doesn't mean a one-time thing. You are definitely, when you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. Okay? Make no mistake about it. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. But 518 Ephesians says that you are to be filled continuously. Today, tomorrow, the next day, the next day, the next day, and the next day. And guess what else? All right? It is an option. It is an option. Just like we can choose worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom, we can choose to follow culture or we can choose to follow God. It also is a choice as to whether or not you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's a choice. And you know me, I like practical, right? I like practical. So I started asking myself, okay, well, what is that? 
how do I make this choice? All right, what do I need to do to make this choice? I mean, do I just stand and say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit? It's probably a good place to start. Could be one of the steps. But I found some others. I found some others. Okay, I found uh, a number of people that wanted to talk about this subject. Uh, I, I learned things like uh, people thought that maybe if you just understood the role of the Holy Spirit, that somehow that would fill you, okay? I, I heard uh, people talk about if you have faith, okay, or you're obedient, or maybe even if you love others, I think all of those could play a part. I think all of those could play a part, but, but I'm going to give you now what I would call, I've got the Matthew Henry commentary that I get to read all the time. I'm going to give you the Scott commentary, okay? This is the Scott commentary. This is what you got to do if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is one essential thing. I'm going to tell you. Surrender. Okay? The one thing you got to do if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit is you've got to surrender. What did Jesus say? Not my will, but yours, God. When I taught on the Beatitudes, what was the very first one about? Blessed are the poor in spirit. And what did I say then? That if you want God to fill you up, you have to be emptied out in humility, right? Okay, you want to be filled with the Spirit, you've got to be emptied of yourself for God. You've got to be emptied of yourself for God. You've got to be willing to set aside your plans, your expectations, your thoughts, your dreams, whatever it might be, and you've got to put that aside for God's will in your life. I mean, what did Jesus say in Luke 9, 23 when he said, what it takes to be my follower. What was the very first thing he said? That you must what? Deny yourself. You must surrender. The very first thing, you must surrender and then take up your cross daily. You've got to surrender. You've got to surrender. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to deny yourself. You have to surrender every day. And when you do, when you do, when you do this, when you're filled I'm telling you, it changes everything. It changed me, I promise you. Way, way, way before, okay, when I was saved, there was a long period of time before I was ever filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a long time before I surrendered. It was a long period between salvation and when I moved down to the front of the church and wasn't afraid to lift my hands for Jesus. When I got the courage to stand up here and teach, there was a long period of time in between there. And let me tell you, this right here, what you're seeing is 1,000% the Holy Spirit. You don't believe me, ask my wife. Okay? You don't believe me, ask my wife. Because you know what? If you went to my house, you'd see I hardly ever even talk. I never even say a word. And I'm really not a people person. Honestly. You, you may find that hard to believe. Ask her if you don't believe me. I'm not a people person. And I'm actually not even always that easy to get along with. Not always that nice, all right? This was never in my plan. 1,000%. The only reason I'm able to stand up here and teach and, and proclaim God's word is because of the Holy Spirit. And I, honestly, I don't even feel like I'm always fully surrendered either. I really don't. I really don't. But, you know, that's the interesting thing about this surrender and feeling. Okay? The more you surrender, the more God can fill. The more you surrender, the more God can fill. Okay, they, 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 were, they were joking in the Hillsong movie when they were talking about the, the song that I love, Touch the Sky, and, and they, it was when they were writing it, and, and Taya, the one that sings it, she says, you got to leave a little room in there. 
He said, what, a little room for you? She said, oh, no, no, a little room for the Holy Spirit. So you got to create room for the Holy Spirit. You got to create room for the Holy Spirit, what he can do in your life. Because if you will let him, if you'll surrender and let the Holy Spirit fill you and fill your life, Okay, you'll have an understanding and a knowledge and you'll, you'll know God in a way that, that will just propel you to things that you never, ever, ever thought was possible. Because the Holy Spirit changes things. Changes things. It changes us. And you know, when you're on this journey, when you're on this spirit-filled life journey, you're not gonna know all the answers to all the questions, are you? You're not gonna know where to go always. You're not always going to understand what's next, okay? Well, here in verse 11 and 12, look what it says. For, I, for who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person who is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. Yeah, we're not always going to know the answers. We're not always going to know where we're going and where we're headed and what's next. But you know the good news about it is God does. And by the Holy Spirit, we can know it also. That's, that's the promise of this, this chapter. We can know what God knows by the power of the Holy Spirit. What a promise, right? What a great promise. You know, I, uh, I got my title uh, for this lesson. Uh, it changes everything from a song that I really like but by Vertical Church Band. It's called The Spirit of the Living God. And it's a, it's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit uh, does in our lives and what he means to our lives. Uh, so I wanted to play that video and then we'll finish it up.
It changes everything. There's a great verse in the Bible, Genesis, okay, chapter uh, 1, verse 2. It says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the waters. Well, when the Holy Spirit hovers, like it was hovering over that room and hovers, hovering over this room, when the Holy Spirit hovers, expect something really big. Expect something really big. And you know why I know? Because in the very first, next verse, verse 3, what it says is, let there be light. You like that, right? Let there be light. You like that, right, John? Now, Spencer's got to edit out all that of the podcast. But I'll listen, in all seriousness, think about this. Imagine, imagine, imagine what would happen if just everybody in this room, okay, this room right here is filled with more people than started Hillsong Church. Just imagine what would happen, okay, if we let the Holy Spirit fill our lives, let God take control of where he wants us to go. If he, we just let him reveal to us his plan, his purpose. Just imagine. In fact, this, this chapter tells us we can't imagine what God would do. So here's my sermon in a sentence, okay? If we're willing, if we're willing to surrender, to deny ourselves and let God fill us with his Holy Spirit, it'll change everything. The light that we will shine, okay, that light that we're going to shine into this world, it'll be blinding to the brokenness. It'll be blinding to the brokenness of this world. You will not be able to contain it, I promise so don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be afraid to let the Holy Spirit do what only He can do. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for this, these people here, Lord. And God, just thank you for your Holy Spirit, God. I pray, Lord, that, that each and every one of us, Lord, would just surrender our will to yours, Lord. And God, just empower us with your Holy Spirit to do things that we could never, ever imagine. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.